Let's take a quick break and hear from today's show sponsor. Are you struggling to close deals? Cold outreach can be a slow and brutal process. And in many scenarios, it's just wasting the time of both the buyer and the seller, especially when business owners who are trying to find qualified buyers are using inaccurate and outdated data. But it doesn't have to be this way. With LinkedIn Sales Navigator, your organization can overcome these challenges by leveraging this amazing technology and platform that translates comprehensive, high-quality buyer data into real-time insights and sales. These deeper insights empower sales reps and teams to adopt the habits of top performers, which leads to much better outcomes like build and bigger pipeline with real customers leading to higher win rates and conversions, and of course, larger deals and paydays all around. We call this deep sales and LinkedIn has built the first deep sales platform with the next generation of LinkedIn sales navigator. Right now, our Millionaire Mindcast family has an amazing opportunity to try LinkedIn sales navigator and get a 60-day free trial at linkedin.com forward slash mindcast. That's linkedin.com forward slash mindcast for a 60-day free trial. Let LinkedIn Sales Navigator help you sell like a superstar today. Just go to linkedin.com forward slash mindcast and get started. You don't need to conquer the world and your financial plan in one month, one quarter, or even one year. If you can just say, hey, like I know that I can execute on one of these investments, no matter what the market is doing, right? Sometimes it might be harder to find these opportunities, and sometimes it might be way easier to find these opportunities. But at a minimum, once a year, I can do one of these investments and how that ties into your financial plan. I think that's really, really important to get clarity. What's going on, guys? Welcome into today's episode of Money Moves. I am your host, Mattie. As always, my co-host, Mr. Breedwell. What a do, guys? You are 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 you winning money in Vegas? Or are you actually working in Vegas? I am. Uh, well, I'm doing passed both. If I'm making money. I don't know if I'm making money on the tables or the slots, but I am. Uh, I am at conferences, uh, getting updates with all the other advisors from around the United States, uh, going over concepts, going over changes for the year. Uh, we had a record-breaking year for the company, so we're going over the numbers there. Um, it was pretty crazy. We had uh, about $3.3 billion in AUM deposits last year and about two point. Uh, 2.2 billion in annuity deposits. And then we did about $10.9 million in uh, target life premium. So, you know, little numbers that, you know, you guys are crushing it on. Congrats. Yeah, we were having a 2022, although it was crazy, it's like a 215% increase in business since the pandemic started. So it's been great. What do you attribute that to? supposed to. Um, I think we were talking about that uh, today, and um, we think it has to do with uh, the people that we have and the processes that we have in place with those people. Uh, we don't necessarily buy or sell or do anything much differently than a lot of other uh, firms, but we're not so big box. We really know our client. Uh, we explain things very well. We go through the process of what we're doing very clearly. And that generally translates into successful uh, relationships with our investors. So we think that that is the main thing uh, that led to that, as well as um, the market starting to kind of uh, get a little healthier 
that's also helping some recovery of asset values over the past few months. I love it. Well, as you guys know, and if you're new to the show, we cover all things stocks, real estate, investing, and personal finance to help you on your March to a million and beyond. It's been an interesting week. I was out this last week um, at a GoBundance um, Mastermind conference. So I appreciate you holding holding it down. And yeah, the solo episodes, I need to work on my solo episode game. I feel like I've lost a part of my soul and my heart when you're not here. Well, that's where the yin and yang come to exactly. meet and have these types of conversations. And we are grateful for each and every one of you guys who are participating and following along in those conversations each and every week. We um, we've got a great show for you guys today. So we're going to be uh, definitely digging in on a lot of the market data and information that has come out this last week. Powell had some recent comments. We're going to be talking about that. Is he dovish or is he hawkish? Um, getting some updates for you guys on inventory in the real estate market. One of the top commercial real estate performing assets, the data that is out behind that. I think that'll be interesting to some real estate investors. ChatGPT continues to just blow up this AI scene. Did you see the name of the uh, competitor? What's it called? Bard. Bard. I was going to say Bard. Bard. Which is uh, Google's. So there's this AI war that's kind of coming out now, got some information on the top real estate markets that people migrated to in migration, out migration, and how that ties into potential real estate investments for all of you real estate investors out there. We got a cool story on one of the luckiest investors of yes, all time. Do. Yes, we And do. this is uh, kind of a it's crazy a, it's story. A, it's a face cracker too. It's a funny one. It, it is a good one. So we'll be talking about that. And of course, earnings, We've got rate hike um, updates from this past week and uh, job and unemployment data. And what does that all mean for the economy as a whole? And what really the stock market is going to do and respond as that data trickles out. We've got some updates on the housing price index and whether prices are trending upwards or downwards. We've got a full show for you guys today. So with that being said... If you're not subscribed to the show, we always invite you to subscribe. And if it is on iTunes, whatever podcasting platform you enjoy listening to this on, or you want to watch our faces made for radio on YouTube, uh, you can head over millionermindcast.com to check out uh, getting connected with us, or you can find us on all the podcasting platforms as well. Uh, don't forget to check out the store. We got all kinds of great stuff for you guys in the store, whether that is the Wealth Wine and Dine event one-on-one with Ryan and I in Napa, whether that's the Tour of Tahoe, whether that's the Rich Life Planner, or many other freebies and resources for you guys. We want to make sure that you guys continue to receive value each and every week. And of course, Ryan and his amazing team, for all of you who have an investment portfolio and you want somebody to go through that with a fine-tooth comb, make sure you're not getting overfeed. Really, just based on your goals, have a plan, maybe a different plan built out for you based on what you currently have right now or to maybe validate that the plan you have is on the right path. Um, You can text the word X-ray to 844-447-1555 and connect with Ryan and his team. For all my credit investors out there and soon to be um, for my non-accredited investors as well, uh, Mm -hmm. getting on my deals list. Text the word DEALS to get more information and get notified of opportunities that are syndications and passive investments um, that my team and I bet out for you guys um, that I'm directly involved in. You can text the word DEALS to 844-447-1555 as well. Uh, If you're not on the text letter, text the word NOTES to that same phone number. You can also check that out at millionermindcast.com. That being said, man, 
kind of sad news um, today uh, with the, the big earthquakes coming out of Syria and Turkey. And dude, I saw this heart-wrenching photo oh, of dad, dad sitting on rubble and he's holding his daughter's hand and she's literally like covered in rubble and he's just sitting there next to her like sobbing. And that was, that was sad. But yeah, I saw that one of like a mother gave birth. Gave birth as she was dying. She died, but they saved the baby. That's yeah. Crazy. So often prayers go out to seems like there's a lot of there's always something heavy going on in the world, right? And um, you know, we always like to keep things light and positive, but also, you know, acknowledging the realities of what are going on around you, I think is important. And to, you know, be team human, show up for one another. So if you know anybody um, you know, that's impacted by that, definitely thoughts and prayers with uh everybody in um in that respect. So while we jump into, you know what happened this last week in the stock market. I think um, it's important to maybe recap a little bit of what happened last week. We had a big discussion around rate hikes and, you know, where the Fed stands, the market, you know, had some responses to that. So what did you see and take away in terms of what the Fed did and how the market responded? So last week in my little quick rant, I think I mentioned that I was not feeling yet comfortable enough to stake my claim on what I thought had happened in the market. I think I'm comfortable enough now. Uh, if you remember a few episodes ago, I kind of we put that graph up and I drew that line to show the trough in the what I believed might have been the bottom of the market last October. I believe it might have even been October 16th or 17th is the specific date. Uh, don't quote me on that. But October of last year, it really is looking like that's starting to seem like that it was a bottom. And we have now started to begin a new cyclical bull trend. Now, the difference in this cycle versus other cycles is we're still entrenched and higher than normal and higher than is comfortable, I think, interest rate environment from uh, the perspective of being a somebody that's trying to leverage into maybe a a property, you're going to be paying much more than say myself did, you know, back when interest rates were more neutralized and vice versa, you have the cost of goods and services due to the lag on when something is produced. And when it gets to the consumer, that cost stretches and has to be applied. And normally it's passed down the supply chain to the consumer to cover. So that's why you see people talking about cost of eggs going up by three or fourfold cost of milk going up by three or fourfold and sometimes more than that. So that pain is still probably going to be around and still need to be dealt with um, in the short to near term, maybe the next one to three months. The benefit is the Fed did indicate in not anything besides really saying that dovish, dovish comments and the fact that inflation is pretty much gone. Um, I think what's happening is the leading indicating leaned, le, leading indicator data is catching up with the lagging data that they tend to use. And I think what's happening is they're starting to kind of smell the roses and say, hey, we do need to take this data set into account or we're going to get so far in front of our skis that we then have to pull back really hard. And if they get really far ahead on rates, then have to cut rates really quickly not in a a lockstep pattern like down smoothly, up smoothly, that'll actually spike inflation again. And so all the work that they had done would have been for nothing. So I think the camp that's out right now and is soft landing is for sure happening. 
Um, anybody that's been on the news, like I've been telling everybody that listens to the show for the past six months, uh, is calling for a recession or calling for this other stuff. It's, it's a term we've used here multiple times to tell what people are doing. It's called selling your book. It's that I made a different decision prior to telling you about this. And I want to encourage you to follow my lead because I was wrong, but I think I'm still right because of these reasons. Those are the people you want to completely avoid um, and opinions you want to completely avoid because unemployment is continuing to go down. There's just little things that can't be around to have a recession, to have all these other things. There's always little needles and little pieces you can pinpoint to tell a story. We talked about this back when we were going through the COVID era. Hey, I can ma- I can say this data this way and make it sound good. And then I can say it this way, same set of data and make it sound bad. It's just who are you getting it from? Yeah. Right now, the camp that I think the two that are out that have a, a semblance of actual reality are, are we going to at the next Fed meeting hike again by a quarter of a percent and then pause into cuts at the end of the year or into cuts at the beginning of next year? Or are we paused on next meeting and looking to for sure have cuts this year? That is where people I think are going to have to start being comfortable setting their hat. And I don't know. I now know there's for sure going to be cuts. I I believe at the end of the year, I don't know if we cut heavier because we pause now, right? We do a long, longer standing pause than people may want. So that, that feeds into the feds interest rates are going to be higher for longer. Mm-hmm. That fits that that's a thumbs up. That's exactly Which is what, what they said. recently so, said, right? Yeah. So they hold the rate there. They almost let inflation get below it and then let rates play catch up versus, you know, and that's almost what they did here. They hiked uh, interest rates and let inflation play catch up until it, pass through and pierce that veil. And now it's coming back down. And there, and I think that's what's probably going to happen. It's still 50-50. But my opinion would be sometime at the end of quarter three or quarter four of this year, 2023, they will cut rates. And if they do do that in quarter three, when it's seasonally still a good time for real estate, you know, right before it's slowdown, you are going to see a mass influx of buyers in a buyer's market and I think you're going to have a huge flood of business going to these lenders. And I think the thing that's going to happen is there's not going to be enough money for, for people to want to use. So what are they going to do, Matt? They're going to have to cut rates. So there's more money available to loosen the money supply. So all of this makes is lending to that side of the story. I still think it's 50-50, but I think the story to talk about where they pause and hold sounds better, works better, and makes a lot more sense from a, not only an application, but a statistical standpoint, because it's literally what they did when they raised rates. They were ahead of it and let it get a, get above it so then it could kind of have a soft landing down. They're going to let rates get up in front of them so they can, instead of driving in this rear view mirror, they're going to now be able to watch it and kind of guide it very slowly and be way more ahead of, uh, be way more in control of when they cut rates. So that's where I think what I think is going to happen. I do think we're going to have a stronger than uh, market than I even anticipated at the beginning of the year, given that data. So I still so, have a forty four hundred tar- price target around on the S and P uh, for end of year, but I could I would love to be wrong. I would love to be wrong. 
because I would be wrong in a way that was beneficial for my clients, right? They'd make more money than I was anticipating. Yeah. And Tone, maybe you can, um, in the meantime, real quick, start teeing up the the Peter Schiff message because I always love, right, our, our, our ultimate bear and some of the things that he's concerned about is, you know, this jobs report um, came in more than twice expectations. The unemployment rate fell to 3.4%, the lowest since 1953. He's continuing to be of the camp of, you know, inflation is still way higher than the numbers that they're actually reporting. And the record numbers of people who must work um, multiple low-paying jobs, uh, you know, retirees being forced back to work, that the inflation is really hitting the lower end because middle class continues to shrink, right? And the, the wealthy, they can weather this storm a, a lot easier. Um, but it's the lower, you know, end spectrum, which is a much larger, you know, demographic and population number now of, you know, that poor class, um, that they're the ones that are really being impacted. And so his argument is, you know, that the economy you know, the, the recession is not over. Things are not as strong as the reports and the data are showing. What are your thoughts around that, you know, narrative being that I think, like you said, there's, you know, all signs pointing to the fact that data shows we're kind of coming out of this and we're potentially entering another bull market. And if the Fed continues to do some of these things in the sequential order, kind of the dominoes as they fall, according to the plan that historically we've shown gets us out of this. Is there anything that we're missing on this one that, you know, would support this type of narrative? Or is he just going to continue to beat this dead horse just to die on that hill? I think that what happens is when um, the phrase is kind of long in the tooth, right? When something's been around for a long time and it maybe needs to be changed. And I think what's happening to a lot of investment managers and fund managers and people that used to be um, very successful in the investment world, they've they've held on to these laurels of what has worked into the in the past and not necessarily grasped on to what is now the future. It would almost be like claiming a uh, 1992 Honda Civic because it was your favorite model ever is superior to a 2023 base model. Like it, it has a, it has better features and stuff and it just doesn't. What happens is um, things change and progress. And when you come from a background of very static, very passive asset management, buy, hold, don't do a lot of stuff, very tact, tactfully, that tends to maybe, um, become burdensome, burdensome or a burden, excuse me, to think um, opposite of that. So I just think that he's kind of old and outdated, if I'm saying it in easier to understand terms. I think, I think he's old and needs to kind of hang it up. You become a little senile when you become that age. Uh, the other thing I would point and to indicate to that, somebody of a similar age, but doesn't have an investment philosophy, minus pretty much what's close to mine. You buy quality you hold it pretty much forever and you make sure that it, a lot of it pays you. Warren Buffett consistently almost always does well. 
company almost always does well because he doesn't try to have these grandiose ideas of, oh, I know that this is all positive data, but because I've been around for a while and because back in 1953, this was this way, it's not going to be that way in 2023. The problem is we didn't even have quantitative easing until the financial crisis of the, of the 2000s. So there's so many things happening today that weren't happening when that data set was present to make it not really an applicable comparison. It's, it's just, it's a square into a circle peg. It doesn't really make sense. So um, you cannot have a recession with, um, and there's not going to be a recession. We're, we're done with the recession and we're coming out of it. So you can say Ryan said it. Um, we're going into a period of, like I said, a new bull market. And it becomes, it typically is uncomfortable during the beginning of those times because we're, we're so used to the pain that we've been uh, experiencing. Just like it's hard to start a bear market cycle because we're so used to the, the gains we've been experiencing. Adding that many jobs, although a lot of them were part-time jobs, a lot of them are full-time jobs. And unfortunately, some places and some people are picking up jobs on the side to help um, pay bills because they need to. And I was saying to you, I think, and something that I, when I digest and I see that data, I don't know why it's bad that people are being proactive when something is happening against them that's not good. I would be more concerned if the cost of goods and services were going up and people were just not servicing that credit card debt. They are putting money on their credit cards but they're servicing the debt. They are picking up a second job, but they're making more in income as well. And something I think I pointed out to you in that is when people are paid more, businesses have to pay them via payroll, whether it's part-time or full-time. Those businesses then pay more in taxes, just like the individual will pay more in taxes. That generates revenue for our federal government, local governments, and municipalities, which is good overall. So it just isn't a negative thing that people are working. I have no idea when that was. I was not an advisor ever when having positive job data was negative or an indication that there was going to be a recession. It is not an indicator. And the opposite is if there was, if you saw a trend of people losing full-time jobs and not getting them and only getting part-time jobs, you would see the unemployment rate spiking because that tracks full-time employment. And you would see people burning through savings. And I know that the data says that they don't have a lot of savings, but people do have a lot of cash in their investment accounts and cash in their savings accounts. And they're simply just spending like they have uh, been pent up in this pandemic. It's just, it's all stuff that can be explainable. What's not explainable is why people getting jobs is a bad thing, how unemployment ticking to the lowest it's been, and I think almost 80 years is a negative thing. Yeah, and how any of that is indicative of a bad economy. It's just not. It's indicative of an economy that's trying to become healthy and is becoming healthier and now is getting the wheels turning to start rolling forward. And guess what will start happening over time? The unemployment rate will start to tick up because some of those people will lose those jobs because some of those jobs will fire those people because some of those businesses will go out. And then there's going to be another recession in the future. And there's going to be a correction in the future. And there's going to be a black swan event that none of us can systemically or statistically get away from. All of this is going to happen again. 
what we have to start getting a grasp on is it's normal and it's not anything to be worried about. And if you took advantage of buying the dips, like almost all my clients did and consistently dollar cost average into your accounts, you are probably positive right now. Matt can go pull up his brokerage account and I think see about three or 4% positive rate of return now. I can do the same in mine. First time today ever, uh, never, excuse me, in the past few, <laughs> past like 15 months. Um, and that's because you consistently buy when the stuff goes down because I'm not scared to buy things when they're on sale. Are you interested in boosting your income by an extra $50,000 this year? If so, you're going to love what I've got in store for you. I am beyond excited to officially announce an incredible opportunity to join me in my exclusive mastermind, which will include myself and 25 other hand-selected investors who are actively pursuing commercial real estate in 2024 and want to be held accountable to making sure they buy their first or their next commercial real estate investment property that will net them a minimum of $50,000 a year. This mastermind group will not only teach you how to do that, how to find, how to analyze, how to structure and buy these types of commercial real estate investment properties, but you'll also have an opportunity to be a part of an intimate group of high achievers that are going to take your network and your resources to a whole nother level. But here's the catch. Like I mentioned before, this is exclusive. We're only selecting 25 ambitious individuals for our founding members group who are serious and ready to take that next step in their commercial real estate investing journey. So if you are ready to increase your passive income by at least $50,000 in the next year with commercial real estate investing, then this is your moment. These spaces are gonna fill up fast and trust me, this is the one and only time to be a founding member, which comes with some pretty special benefits. So head over to myfirst50k.com and submit your application now. Again, that's myfirst50k.com. You can head over there, check out the program, see everything that it entails, submit your application to join, and I can't wait to connect with you soon. So... With all that verbal vomit out there, market's getting very healthy again. There is no recession. Peter Schiff, um, it's Peter Schiff, not Theo, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, just kind of passed, passed their time. And I respect that what they did because what people like him did was lay the groundwork for people like myself and our company to then take that and improve upon it. He just has not improved upon his process. And I think if you go and like I said, we pointed out maybe the funds that he manages, it's really nice to go look at stuff and, uh, or is that Thiel? Am I thinking the wrong guy right now? I always get them mixed up. Thiel Schiff. is the PayPal mafia. Yeah, no, I'm thinking of Shift then. So I'm thinking of the right Schiff one. Shift is Mr. Gold. Yeah. If you look at his asset allocation and his, his funds, that's all you have to do. It's, it's one thing to sound good, but then if you look at the application of it, it just doesn't work. Yeah, just it just simply doesn't work. So PPI coming out here in the very near future, which is something important to be paying attention to. I think also more data around the average hourly work week. Talk a little bit about what you guys are looking at on those fronts. So it tends to stay between the 36 and 38 hour mark. Um, If it ticks up, it means people are working more. Obviously, it tends to only go up by decimal points of a tenth, though. Um, If it spikes like a lot, it, it can be an indicator. It's not a super strong one, but it can be an indicator of volatility coming in the market because people are aggressively working more for no reason. Um, and you normally see the hour, average hourly work week 
tanking if there's not a lot of full-time jobs uh, uh, being taken advantage of. It unfortunately, again, goes in the face of this data and it's going, it went up, it ticked up. So average hourly work week is going up, staying strong. Um, Non-farm payrolls is good. Private payrolls is good. Uh, The PPI is we really need that to come down on the headline and and core really is more important, obviously, Mm -hmm. because if the producers can save money on the products that they're producing for us, they can lower the prices to their distributors, which means we pay less, which means then we spend less on that kind of stuff, which then means our savings accounts get bigger, which means that data translates through because it's a lagging indicator. So it's it just takes time. Just like housing prices baking into the uh, CPI number took time, even though you could ask any realtor around the United States and like you're going to go and talk in these uh, data here in the next few minutes, housing prices have been coming down and are continually coming down. We're at over half a year that it's been happening. The data that the Fed has been getting has said it's only been happening for three months. So that's where that disconnect is between the Fed and the leading indicator um, inflation data, which is why it's been so frustrating for a lot of advisors and fund managers, because they do feel like that is being discounted to an area that is uh, almost ignorant to not uh, take into account more. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, in terms of core logic, uh, house prices are up 6.9% year over year in December, um, but they have declined 0.4% month over month in December. Um, U.S. home prices, including distressed sales, increased by 6.9% year over year compared to December of 21. And on a month over month basis, right now you're seeing home prices have declined by point less than a half a percent compared to November of 2022. So I think, you know, we're also, you know, as you pay attention to inventory, which obviously ties into demand and supply and our price is going to go up or down. How do we kind of, you know, make these predictions or see where trends are going? You know, inventory has decreased 1.9% week over week. And, you know, when you look at so far, inventory has declined about 6.9% over the first five weeks of 2023. So for the people that are going, man, I was expecting this flood of inventory to hit the market, even with a record amount of houses that are under construction and are being finaled off and are going to hit the market, um, you know, with this prediction of people hitting some kind of financial distress at some point, it's not what I think this idea of distress is correlated to 2008 and what happened in a very distressed market and housing environment in 2008, that this idea of distress in that financial meltdown versus this amount of distress in terms of what post-pandemic era looks like and what needs to play out and kind of get cycled through the marketplace it's really apples and oranges. It's yep. very, very different in, in, in this you know, capacity. And so I think it is very important to know that there is going to be distress, just like what you talked about. There's going to be another Black Swan event. There's going to be another course correction and recession. And there's going to be another bull market. There's going to be another bear market. There's always going to be seasons of distress in the real estate market as well. Some more amplified and some less amplified. This is going to be another one of those seasons that has some distress, but not at the expense of the entire housing market melting down. 
and yep. seen really drastic, you know, um, kind of variables in the marketplace get, um, you know, expanded in a way that becomes catastrophic. So yeah. I think it's very important to, you know, be tracking this data, right? Days on market, supply of inventory, what kind of demand we're looking at, you know, the Fed survey that was just released this last week. Mm-hmm. And banks reported, and I'll give you on the commercial side and I'll give you on the residential side as well. Banks reported tighter standards and weaker demand for residential real estate and HELOCs. So regarding loans to businesses, surveyed respondents on balances on, on balance reported tighter standards and weaker demand for commercial and industrial loans to large middle market and small firms over the fourth quarter. For loans to households, Banks reported that lending standards tightened, which we all knew, right? That if there's yeah. liquidity crunch in, you know, the overall global and stateside landscape that, of course, right, people are going to be sharpening their pencil. They're going to be looking at things a lot tighter if things are feeling volatile or somewhat unstable without really having a clear, hey, we're moving in this direction. The economy is recovering. There's still some stuff to be flushed out. People are being a little bit right closer, keeping cash closer to the chest. chest. Yeah, they 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 just want to be. Hey, if I'm going to be lending out money to these types of people, right, and my upline is being tighter with what they're giving me, well, then we need to make sure that we're you know making you know people uh, jump through a few extra hoops to really show that the risk we're going to take with lending them money actually makes you know financial sense. So you know, banks reporting that lending standards tightened or remain basically unchanged across all categories of residential real estate loans and demand for these loans weakened. In addition, banks reported tighter standards and weaker demand for home equity lines of credit. Standards tightened and demand weakened on balance for credit card, auto, and other consumer loans as well. So why is this all happening? Well, when you see liquidity tighten up, and then you also see, right, supply not drastically expand. And you also see demand not spike in insane amounts like it was before. We're ultimately seeing the air get sucked out of the auto market. We're seeing the air get sucked out of the stock market. We're seeing the air get sucked out of the real estate market, which we all kind of knew had to happen, right? We were on not only the ninth inning of this game, we were on extra innings that were like the 14th inning, right? And people were like, when is this going to stop? Like, when is this insane, you know, increase in values and valuations of companies, of real estate, of all of these different things that everybody felt was already overinflated? Well, people have less equity in their homes. So there's less equity line of credits being applied for. There's less people that have the ability to qualify for mortgages now because rates are so much higher. So there's going to be somewhat of less demand. There's less free cash sitting around or, you know, people, you know, having to really think about how they're running their businesses and there being certain hits or costs of goods are going up or operating payrolls are getting higher. Well, then you're going to see businesses start to shrink a little bit, right? This is all part of the process. So, I don't want to mistake the declines that are happening in certain sectors and industries and asset classes as that equals bad economy, that equals really bad recession coming. I think that's where having these types of conversations and going, hey, the data is pointing to this, 
But there could also be other correlating, you know, reasons for why that doesn't mean it's completely catastrophic or going to be something bad. So I think that's why having these types of conversations and looking at how these different data sets and these two kind of sectors of, you know, the financial markets and the real estate market, then you can layer in the, you know, kind of economy as a whole is important to know that these all kind of coincide together and follow one another. They ebb and flow together. And so it's important, I think, you know, think about how all of this um, impacts your financial decisions, your future, Mm -hmm. and, you know, still following a plan, which is why you and I talk about this, you know, whether it's you taking, you know, money for me and continuing to invest it, right? Or it's me buying real estate, you doing real estate. It's making sure that you have an overall plan that you're going to execute on no matter what's going on at all times. And then having little contingency buffers built in that if these things happen, we have a discussion and we figure out what potential adjustments need to get added to that plan. But in the grand scheme of things, the plan at a fundamental level, when done over an extended period of time, works, unlocks financial freedom, creates real wealth, and there's just ebbs and flows of kind of levers that need to get turned up or turned down based on what the data is telling us at certain seasons of that timeline. Couldn't have said it better myself. It's just the way that things, the, there's a reason that there's a way to do things. It's because of the way things are. Yep. So let me give you guys a little information. Freddie Mac house price index declines for the seventh consecutive month in December, right? So we're, we're on seven seven months of declining housing prices. Yeah. I mean, seven is. months is not a, a short period of time. I mean, we're talking about right? Declines over more than half of a year. And how long, how stretched out will that timeline of declines be? I have no idea. That's still to be determined. Probably till it hits 13%. But And so let's look at some of the data there, my friend. So in December, 36 states and DC were below their 2022 peaks. So we're looking at about 37 states or 37, you know, markets, big markets, that ultimately have been on the decline. And we knew that there were many markets that were way overinflated that needed to come back down to reality. Some near us. The largest seasonally adjusted declines from the recent peak were in Arizona at almost 9%, Idaho at 7.2%, Nevada at 7%, Washington at 7%, California at 6.3%, Utah at 5.4%, Colorado at 5.2%. So, we probably all know many of the markets that we said, man, that, that market's a little too hot. Like they're getting a little crazy with their pricing out there. We need to right, come back to reality. And we're starting to see some of those corrections you know, happen in the housing market. But again, declines are happening in values right now, which is a great opportunity to either one, be patient and look for the right deal <laughs> that makes the right financial sense as if you're going to hold it yep. long-term, just like you would looking at a stock that you're going to hold long-term and grow with that company based on the fundamentals of you know the business itself. Same thing in real estate, the fundamentals of the asset, the fundamentals of the market, right? And really getting in the game of having conversations, planting seeds, building relationships, knowing that there are going to continue to be more opportunities right now. Nobody wants to catch a falling knife But there's opportunities in these types of markets where people who know that there's a knife falling get really scared and they start selling for way below where the market is actually at. 
So at least engaging in some of these conversations right now. I mean, Tone and I were were just uh, you know this last week in the office, and you know we were going through and looking at different lead generation, you know, um, kind of paths that we've been uh, scraping up some opportunities on. And there's there's some deals in the market again, and I haven't seen that in a while. There's people that are sending me flips that, and instead of me saying you're absolutely insane, I'm going, I could actually make these numbers pencil, right? So. I think now is going to be a good season and a good window to be looking at maybe picking up some opportunities. And you guys have heard me say this before. If you if you don't need to conquer you know the world and your financial plan in in one month, one quarter, or even one year, if you can just say, hey, like I know that I can execute on one of these investments, no matter what the market is doing. Right? Sometimes it might be harder to find these opportunities, and sometimes it might be way easier to find these opportunities. But at a minimum, once a year, I can do one of these investments and how that ties into your financial plan. I think that's really, really important to get clarity around because then it takes away all of the guessing and all of the fear around a good market or a bad market and just saying one a year for the next 10 years, I can keep investing in this type of asset class. I can continue to add this into my portfolio. I can continue to generate the cash flow and all the tax advantages and all that right in perspective of real estate investments. And I can continue to allocate this much money to my financial plan on stock market, you know, on these growth companies, on this, on that, whatever it may be. And, and trust in that bare minimum of your foundational plan. And then from there, right, using these types of conversations, go, eh, maybe I'm going to get a little bit more aggressive based on, you know, what I'm seeing and hearing out there and based on the counsel I'm receiving. Or maybe I'm going to pull back and be a little bit more conservative. But making sure that you've got something that you can aim to hit every year, no matter how good or how bad the economy, the market, the vehicles out there are, there's always an opportunity that aligns with your goals and your plan um, that you can do at a minimum of once a year. So with that being said, I figured let's let's wrap it up with one of the luckiest investors of all time. My guy. And Tone's going to pull this up. I thought this was absolutely hilarious. So nobody has ever heard of this dude. Lupi. Lupi was an Enron exec. Many people know, obviously, what happened with Enron. And if you can see this picture and this guy in, you know, what he looks like, um, <laughs> you know, this, uh, we'll just call him uh, a studious, may, may, maybe label as a nerdy, um, you know, individual based on how he's presented himself. But, um, you know, he's not some like MacGyver, you know, the most sexy or interesting man in the world. We'll just put it that way. Enron, obviously, one of the greatest financial meltdowns and frauds of all time. And Lou was an exec at Enron. Supposedly, he loved strippers. He got one pregnant. His wife found out about it. She divorced him. He got fired from Enron. And he liquidated all of his stock. Without strippers... And this is obviously Wall Street bets is one of my favorite kind of their, their yeah they're they're kind of a joke but also factual type of um, Instagram page that makes funny memes and you know kind of what's going on with the the stock market and and the financial markets as a whole. But they said without strippers he would have been two hundred and fifty million dollars poor and in prison uh, because he got caught with strippers. He liquidated two hundred fifty million dollars worth of stock. And now Lou is one of the largest landowners in Colorado. What so, a story. I just thought that was absolutely insane. It made me laugh and chuckle of like, you know, 
what the irony, right? Of like literally having a fork in the road moment and probably one of his worst seasons of his life, losing his wife, getting a stripper pregnant, getting fired from your job. Yeah, you got some money in the bank, but you know, uh, versus staying on board with that. And obviously, you know, Lupi, we wouldn't be talking about him today. Yeah. If that ever happens to anybody, you have a roadmap of how to be successful now. (laughs) Yeah, right. So with that being said, guys, we appreciate each and every one of you for listening. Don't forget to share this out with a friend, a family member, anybody that you feel would be um, you know, valued in participating in these financial conversations. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on the YouTube channel. Um, all we ask is that if you enjoy this, please do take two seconds to leave us a review. It means the world to us. Don't forget to head over to millionermindcast.com and check out all of the resources, all the freebies and all the products that we have available to you guys, our listeners. If you want to get in more proximity to Ryan and I, to different events, um, you can always text the word events to 844 844- 447-1555, or you can head over to the millionermindcast.com forward slash store page. Um, and you can see we got one-on-one mastermind days with me. We've got real high-end wealth wine and dine, finding experience, uh, fine dining and um, wine tasting experiences for a day out in Napa with Ryan and I. Got the Rich Life Planner, all kinds of other cool stuff there. Um, and don't forget to take advantage of your free financial x-ray by texting the word x-ray to 844-447-1555. For all my credit investors that want to get on my deals list, text DEALS to that same phone number. And with that being said, we will see you guys in next week's episode. Keep investing in yourself and your wealth on your March 2 million and beyond. Well, that wraps up this week's episode of Wealth Building Wednesday. Be sure to tune in next week for more news and updates. If you got some value from today's show, all we ask is that you either leave a review on whatever podcasting platform you enjoy listening to this content on or share this with somebody that you know can gain some insight, some value from it. One of the things that you guys know about Ryan and I is, you know, we definitely won't say we have all the answers and we definitely won't say we know it all. We just want to bring conversation to the areas, the topics that we believe are really important to bring attention and awareness to, to help you sharpen your ax, put more tools on your tool belt, weaponize you to make the best decisions that align not only with your financial goals, right, but your lifestyle goals. So if you guys want to take advantage of Ryan's free financial x-ray on your investment portfolio, all you have to do is text the word x-ray to 844-447-1555. Most people have no idea what they're being charged from a fee perspective or really in most cases overcharged and whether or not their current investment plan is actually aligned with what they're trying to accomplish and by when. And this is something Ryan does for all of our listeners for free. So be sure to take them up on that X-ray, one word, 844-447-1555. Also, if you are someone who is serious about building your wealth and you're already kind of established, but you want to surround yourself with other like-minded, high net worth individuals, be sure to text WEALTHCAMP, one word, to 844-447-1555 to learn more about our intimate five-star experiences with other like-minded business owners and investors to cross-pollinate, to hear what they're doing, and to have a whole hell of a lot of fun while we're doing it. And last, if you want to know more about consulting or getting mentorship directly from me or from Ryan, you can learn more by texting the word MENTOR to 844-447-1555. With that being said, that's all for this week. Until next Keep investing in yourself and your wealth on your March 2 million and beyond. Cheers, my friends. 